On today's episode, we're going to play a little game of Would You Rather, uh, and then we're going to go through, Josh and I thought about the things we learned from rounds one and two. I think it'll be a very interesting conversation around some of the things that may not be related to the conference finals uh, around just the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, next, we'll do really quickly before trivia our conference finals predictions uh, as we've got uh, Mavericks, Warriors, and Celtics Heat. We'll talk about our thoughts there. And then somehow, some way, according to Josh, I have a, the ability to tie trivia. God, good luck to me, I guess. Next. Welcome back to the Two Pointers Podcast. It's Draft Lottery Day. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor, and I don't think people realize we're recording this the morning of the draft, or the afternoon of the draft, before we... Whatever. Draft lottery. Anyway, draft lottery. Uh, yes. We are. The day we've uh, been waiting for is fans of teams whose uh, teams didn't make the playoffs. Well, except for Trevor. But for me, it's been a good wait for day. Yeah, I'm going to um, have a lovely time later with you. It's also Grayson. the start of uh, conference finals. This is where things really get razor thin. We've got our four teams, our final four, per se. Um, in the NBA season, not what anyone, not remotely what we predicted at the start of the season. I'm not even close. I think I got one team right from our preseason predictions. How about you? I think we agree. I think it's probably Phoenix. <laughs> Is that right? I think I had one. I, I don't remember. I tell you Phoenix right now. Phoenix lost. They're not in yeah. the final four. Oh, that's right. See, then. I, don't <laughs> I had think... Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. It's the only thing I got right. I think I had zero. I didn't have Dallas. Didn't have. I don't think I had. I definitely didn't have Boston. That's for sure. Well, so before we do anything else, I was going to address this later. I, I think Brooklyn it's hilarious. In the East and I think Milwaukee again. Right. We also preseason. It's hard to do that because we obviously yeah. are blindly picking. But still, I wanted to address this later. But I'm going to just do it now since you talked about it for a second. Can you, I, I think? Did you not chuckle? on Sunday evening when we figured out the results and you like realized that two of the four teams we hated the most this year in terms of the rosters, that being Dallas and Boston are now in the conference finals on both sides. It's I've tough. Been like, a hard pill to swallow for sure. Hard pill. You know, hard pill to swallow when I had to tell you like a little bit after the all-star break that I was getting on the Boston train. Cause I was like, they're really good. I hate it, but they're really good. Well, um, for the first couple of minutes uh, here, we're not talking about either of those teams. So this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, we're going to go to the Western Conference. No, yeah, right. We're going to, no, later we're going to definitely do uh, Warriors and uh, Mavs first. All jokes aside, uh, we're playing a little game here. I'm going to first of all give a shout out to the Pick Aside podcast. Those guys are awesome. Great content on TikTok. This is where I got the idea from um, the segment and everything. So um, shout out to those guys. We're going to play a little game for those that are new here. Josh, sometimes we do these segments where he has zero idea what I've come up with. Um, and every I mean, now and then. Yeah, I'm just learning of this now. Every now and then we'll, we'll, we'll turn the tables a little bit. Well, in this case, he has no idea what's coming. Um, and to be clear, I made this segment a week ago before some results of the conference finals might have objectively changed Josh's opinion on these. What game we are playing today is Would You Rather? And the player in question that we are comparing Would You Rather take right this moment. Josh, do you want to guess who it is? Luka Doncic? It's Devin Booker. Oh, I'm going to play okay. a game of Would You Rather with Devin Booker. A couple reasons. I made this uh, before <laughs> Game 6 and and before Game 7 in the West uh, semis. So, 
my concern is that your opinion on some of these guys has changed because of Devin Booker's performance in Game 7. However, I'm hoping that you take something with a grain of salt. I just want your true, honest opinion of right this moment, would you rather with Devin Booker? And I'll tell you the truth, there is a lot of guys, so we're going to get started here. Um, because obviously he is you know, in that realm where he finished fourth in MVP voting. He obviously isn't a top five player in the league, I don't think, by most people's standards. But there are some guys that I do. I'm curious where you are when it comes to his uh, ranking. So it's would I rather have on my team right now, not like a future thing, or like what's the purpose? Purpose is like better player slash would you like the way they did it, I think they just looked at it as like, I think they meant like, would you take that player on your team right now slash who's better? I think it's kind of a subjective way. It's a both thing. Is this I have an empty roster team or am I thinking this for the Hornets? Empty roster. I love how you thought this through. I like this. It's just that all of these variables could change my answers. We're going to start with the first one that I heard uh, on their show. It's going to be Mr. Zach Levine, one that we've talked about before. uh, And I'm prepared to give an answer as well, but I do not have long-winded answers on any of these unless you stop me and react to them accordingly. That one's an interesting one. So background of it is I think, was it last year I was the one that was standing on the soapbox making what was, I guess at the time, a controversial uh, statement where I said, Zach Levine is just as good as Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. No, that oh, how a year has changed. That's why I'm starting with this because. Oh, how a year has changed because Donovan Mitchell has really fallen his way out of that conversation fast. And I was never in that conversation with him. The reason I wanted to address Zach Levine first is because in the start bench cut for most people, it was cutting him no matter what for Mm. most. So I started with him because Donovan Mitchell, spoiler, is on this list. But I started with Zach because I know where you were. I knew that you had said that, so I want to see where. And this is more of a reactionary game. You obviously can think about it, but I want to see up front, like, what would you think? I do like Zach Levine, but I would take Devin Booker over Zach Levine. I, too, would also take Devin Booker. Um, And for the sake of this podcast going off the rails as fast as humanly possible um, for basketball take-wise, I'm not reordering these in any way. I'm doing them in the order I typed them up a week and a half ago. Um, And the second player is Luka Doncic. Luka. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a week and a half ago, maybe that was a thought process. But after this series... uh, It has never been a thought process for me. I thought maybe with the I'll make that loud and clear. That's great. Um, Watching, and this may be like posted based on... Uh, watching um, Maverick Suns Game 7 with a friend of mine um, at a bar, and as things got out of hand, you know, in the first quarter, um, we were sitting there talking. We were like, if the NBA redrafted completely today, like everyone was released, redrafting from square one, the first pick would be Giannis on Kunko. Even really? Even at yes. 27, 28? Yes. Okay. First pick would be Giannis. Pick number two would be Luka Doncic. I, I think there's no that. question. I don't disagree with that. My opinion. Yeah, so far we're, we're uh, on the same page. Zach Levine, we'd both take Devin Booker. Uh, Luka Doncic, we would both take Luka Doncic. Uh, number three is Trey Young. That's a little tougher. Um, I think I would go Trey Young. But by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin? <laughs> so the – Advantage that Devin Booker would have or could have is that he has the body size and ability to be a better defender than Trey Young, but he doesn't really take advantage of it. 
And from an offensive comparison, Devin Booker doesn't stack up at all against Trey Young. So that's my logic there. Yeah. Very few people do, just as a defense to Devin Booker. Very few people stack up offensively from a scoring and passing standpoint to Trey Young. But the guy was the points and assists total leader this year, of course. No. Um, I think as close as humanly possible, this is Devin Booker for me. I, at the end of the day, I, it's a very similar thought process. It, I just, I just couldn't be swayed either way, probably. But I, I went with Devin Booker. Next would be John Morant. Told you I wanted. John to was tough. I don't really know if I've seen enough of him through three seasons. It's really hard for me to evaluate a guy like that. While you're thinking. I'm going to say mine. because I think I if I'm sticking for winning now, I'll stay with Devin Booker. I, I um, was going to say the same thing. Same process. I'm building a team for the future. Give me John Ryan. Would you rather write this moment is why I wanted to do write this moment because I think a lot of these can change very quickly. John Morant is very, very close. I think we're going to probably get hot take alert for that. Uh, but He's improving at a very quick rate, but let's see if he can sustain it because the year two to year three jump was gigantic for Josh. Uh, and the recency bias thing with people too is not just the recency bias of how a guy's currently playing. Sometimes for me too, it's a forgetting that John Morant's only been in the league three years, the mm-hmm. same amount of years as Zion. And it's very And then it's also Jaw had very similar seasons his first two years. Like his year one to year two wasn't much different. Correct. Year three is way different. Most improved player and MVP uh, yeah. book getter. So all right. Jimmy Butler. Regular season or playoffs? <laughs> I'm not answering that question because you know I knew you were gonna do it. Not answering the question. Oh, um, Jimmy Butler. Ooh, okay. That all right? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Devin Booker, but it's a very, very again. It's as close as the Trey Young. Jimmy was. Butler gets in the playoffs, and it's suddenly like he's Michael Jordan. Sometimes. I feel like you've made that joke before, and I've reminded you that there's a there's an NBA conspiracy theory that he's Michael Jordan's son. Yeah. Homework, homework yeah. it up. But it's like every year in the playoffs, I forget about like how when Jimmy Butler steps in the postseason, he's like, I mean, he becomes legitimately one of the best players we've ever seen. So there's a reason they're in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Next one's going to be Jalen Brown. What? <laughs> Jalen Brown. Really? I, I told uh, you I had a lot of them. Not all of them are going to be this close. Love Jalen Brown, but <laughs> I'm not going to take him in this one. Uh, yeah, I also have Devin Booker here. Jason Tatum. That is hard. This is this is the roadblock we've come to when I get to create a full-blown segment. So, you're welcome. <laughs> that is hard. And there's no skipsies because we have a bunch to get through. So, you've, you've got to make a decision. That's why I wanted to do this reactionary-based. No, no thinking about these. Hey. Can, can I really quick though, before you say anything about Jason Tatum, because this is probably the hardest one, I'll be honest with you. The reason I say this is you should already have, and this is not news to you, I'm just saying this for the listeners that may be newer to, to NBA fandom or basketball or whatever. You should have, if you watch the NBA as much as we do or much as most people, you should have an understanding or a thought process already of where you might have these guys or who you might have. That's why start bench cuts have blown up in, on Instagram and Twitter over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. It's, it's the, Josh realizes that hundreds and hopefully thousands of people are going to hear this and he has to understand that like he already thinks this and it's a matter of relaying this in a manner where it's like, this is why I feel this way. But 
Jason Tatum after the playoffs he's had might already have jumped him or might have jumped. You see what I'm saying? So it's just the thought process talking it out. Yeah. Like, so with Tatum, the big question for like, since his second season in the NBA, because they've kind of always been in the postseason, Boston has. Since his second season, the question with Jason Tatum is can Tatum be the guy for a championship team? That's like always the that's the big question, right? Can this player be the it's the reason DeMar DeRozan got traded from Toronto? The answer was no. Um, turned out to be he couldn't be the guy on a championship team. The question with Tatum has been, can he be the guy? And I think there's a question with Booker, can he be the guy? Because with Chris Paul there, it becomes kind of a toss-up. I'm going with Tatum because I think from what I've seen from Tatum now, I think Jason Tatum can be the guy um, for a championship team. I haven't wanted to go down that route for quite a while. I didn't believe it. But he's kind of proven me wrong. A uh, lot of credit, like don't ignore or take credit away from Ime Odoka or especially like Marcus Smart for the work that they've done to get them there. Because I think that they'll kind of be the unsung heroes of this Boston team this season um, where Jason Tatum will get the plaudits. He'll get the, if they win the finals, he'll probably be finals MVP, um, all of that. But yeah, I mean, he's he's the man now. Yeah, so to understand, not to jump ahead, to our conference finals predictions, from my opinion, at least just yet. Um, I agree with everything you just said. So Jason Tatum is is becoming and showing, and now probably is, the guy on a team that can win a championship this year, albeit team around him is very, very good. And this is the one, for those that are not new here, know how I feel about Devin Booker. That's part of the reason he is the highlight of this segment. However... This is where I have to draw my line and start putting a little real, realism sauce in my pasta. Because Devin Booker, as much as I love him, as much as I want to have him at the highest peak of this upper echelon of guys on this list, Jason Tatum is the better player, and it's never been a question for me. Like They've always been right there beside each other. And people are going to go, well, they're different positions. That doesn't matter. That's the NBA we're in right now. We're comparing if I had to make my top 20 guys in the league currently, where would I have them? I would always have Tatum basically right above Devin Booker. So that's where we are with Jason Tatum. I'm glad that you feel the same way. Paul George. Ooh. Bring in the heat. PG-13, 32-year-old. Paul George. Did you just look that up? Yes, <laughs> I wanted to check. It seemed super specific for you not to look that up. Yeah. Right now? Right this moment. You're making your list tonight. Not literally. Man, um... This might make people upset. I would actually take Devin Booker um, at his age now versus a Paul George. Regardless of age. Let's say they're the same exact style of player skill-wise. They're just You don't know anything about their age. You know that they're both. Well, it's just like Paul league. George at 26 was way better than. I mean, like Paul George at maybe 28, way better than Paul George at 32. That's fair. Um, Paul George at 28, better than Devin Booker right now. Um, That's the way to think about it. Paul George right now, not better than Devin Booker right now. Okay. I agree with you. I do think it's kind of close, though, because Paul George, I think people forget that I think the Kawhi shadow as well as the injuries lately in the last couple years haven't helped, lack of success, et cetera. Um, But Paul George. I was a huge Paul George guy. I think I made the statement that if I were building a point guard, a shooting guard from scratch, I would build him basically like Paul George. Yeah, he's that weird. Like, that's one thing we've, whether on show or off show, have always disagreed about. Like, he is a shooting guard. I understand that. But, like, 
to me, if I'm building a current model team, I'm putting him at small forward. The problem is like he's the type he's, of player that I want at my shooting guard position. And I I need to do a more this is an NBA draft stuff because Paul George is an established NBA player, but I need to do like a deep dive of Paul George because I have always liked him. I've never not liked him. I just want, I think he's going to end up being, and I, I want to come up with a comparison and I'll do some homework and bring it back to the table in a few episodes or maybe, but I want to, I want to do a comparison of like, who's a guy, like, is he going to be like, like Reggie Miller's an all time grades on the NBA 75 list. Pa- Paul George will not be on the next hundred is my, on the next 25 is my guess. The reason I say that is, is Paul George going to be the next forgotten about player from an era? And I think he might. Depends. Be. Does the, do the Clippers win a title next year? Assuming they don't know. Assuming they don't know. Because yeah. Reggie Miller. Assuming they Reggie don't Miller know, did. Paul George may get a little, he'll be the, an unsung hero of the 2010s. Because, like, Reggie Miller was like that, but, like, I'm not making the Pacers comparison. I'm making the fact that Reggie Miller was a really good shooting guard for a long time in a mm-hmm. small market, and Paul George was that, and then moved a but little Reggie bit. was always the best player on his team, and Correct. Paul George... Correct. He's I been agree. the best player since he was in Indiana? That's right. That's fair. That's, Maybe that's in OKC, fair. like, there's an argument he was better than Russ when they were there together. But that's like the one off stint yeah. thing. Like that was such a weird, like that's going to end up, someone's going to end up writing a book about that whole thing. Cause it's just super odd. There's an argument. He was the better player um, between him and Russell Westbrook. I'm not going to get into that argument right now, uh, but I'm not either. really it's, that's one of the reasons that Paul George kind of gets overlooked is he's been the really good second piece. Yeah. Like the awesome second piece. Correct. It's the Scotty Pippen treatment. It's the same debate we were having with the Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, like one can be, one is kind of deal. Paul George, the problem I'm having is like, I think he realized with the Thunder situation that like he just isn't the style of player to play with Russell Westbrook. And maybe that's, and I've always thought that maybe that's something people need to explore more. So, all right, moving on from Paul George, because this is about Devin Booker. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, we've already talked about him a little yeah, bit. Devin Booker. Like, yeah. At any point, was Donovan Mitchell ever higher for you? Because I know we did start bench cut a couple times, you and I, and it. Nah. Nah, I mean, neither. Okay. I've always been a Don so. Mitchell. I have always been what Twitter's going to call me as a Donovan Mitchell hater, and I'm okay with that because I think I have been. I've fully taken my right guy now. Rudy's side in that uh, whole thing in Utah. The next one I think is going to be the next couple. I think are going to be really good. Bradley Beal, Booker Beal has injury problems. Oh, so it's that close. It's just injury difference for you. Yeah. Okay. I was otherwise. Say, I think Beal is probably one of the top three pure shooters in the league. Pure scores, depending on the level, yeah. too, which is kind of crazy. But like, dude can shoot. Like, he can he can spot up shoot like right there with Clay Thompson, and that is a absolutely that's that is reason. a like that's a high standard. If you can spot up shoot neck and neck with Clay Thompson, um, we don't see it in the big games because Bradley, frankly, hasn't been on teams that have ever gotten there. But yeah, I definitely saw him as more of a Joe Harris, Kyle Korver type coming out of Florida. Like I, this, this is before <laughs> I did any kind of draft stuff. That was obviously the uh, year. That was Anthony Davis, correct? That was that year. Yep, because yeah. it's a big case of what could have been, and it's one of the what could have been's in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, and I, they and took Michael King Gilchrist instead of Bradley Beal. Yeah, in a draft that was okay. It actually had a couple of good players, but it wasn't historically a. I don't think it'll end up being a very good draft, but. The Bradley Beal thing was he obviously proved a lot of people wrong, but yes, he is just a flat-out shooter, and it's crazy because I think Devin Booker is a multi-level score. I think they both are, but I think if it's that close, I think a lot of people are going to get There's a three-level score. Yeah. And, I, and the reason we're, I'm glad we're talking it out is because I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, it's Devin Booker because Bradley Beal doesn't win. I'm like, it. 
Jordan couldn't win in Washington with the roster they put around Bradley Beal. Like, let's just be real. Like, it, that's just how it is. That's the Washington Wizards that we know now. So, all right. You mentioned this one earlier, actually. Uh, I'm glad that you did. DeMar DeRozan. Right now, I'm going to go Booker again. DeMar's – or wait, like, we're just waiting on DeMar to, like, take the – like, to have the major fall off at this point. It, it's coming. Yeah. Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie. by the way, to be clear, you're getting 82 games, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie. Really? Talk this out for me. 82 games, Kyrie, I would take over a lot of players. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, talk to, yeah, keep going. This I, is why I did this. He definitely bothers me with like his antics everywhere, but like when he plays, like there's an argument that when he played this season, he was Brooklyn's best player. Like when he was there, he looked better than KD a lot. He is so good. It's unbelievable. He might not, he might start to, I would start to put Kyrie Irving sometimes near the scoring category that we throw Giannis in. There's not much of a way to stop him. I haven't seen a team that knows how to stop Kyrie Irving. The only way you stop Kyrie Irving is you just hope he doesn't show up to the building that night. Well, that, and also he's, even before the chaos about him not playing half the year, he's had nights where he'll 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 have seven points and eight assists and six turnovers, but they are far and few in between. Like they do happen. Yeah. I think that's I think people are going to aggregate but you like, and say he has those nights. He does. Everyone has those nights. But yes, he, when he plays is so consistent. He's incredibly slippery. Um, he can shoot like nobody's business. And yeah, I mean, if you Kyrie Irving minus the antics, and that's a every team's dream. Yeah, so unfortunately you can't take – like I said 82 game because that's what Kyrie Irving was. He was an 82-game player for most of his career until recently. So I'm taking into consideration the fact that, yes, he's – yeah, minus injuries, I guess, right? But I'm taking into consideration the fact that a couple things. Devin Booker, and you know this because we've been friends, but we've only been doing this show publicly for almost two years now. You understand, like, I like Devin Booker, and I always have, like, for a long time. And what mm-hmm. I want people to understand is I never wavered from that. And I, I am so thankful the last two years, whether the Suns downfall or not, whether they lose in the finals, obviously, and then this year in the second round, people finally saw on a national stage in the playoffs when it really does matter that he's a really darn good player. Like, he's taking those steps to be in the upper echelon of the league. And for me, the last two years have shown me, who already believed that, that he, he can be better than the Kyrie Irvings of the world. It is super close. I mean, I'm talking, like, closer than Trey Young, obviously, because I think the Trey Young, Devin Booker thing is super close as well. But... As best as I can put it, it, I just I just feel almost bad for Kyrie in a sense because of the potentially losing. We haven't talked about this since it happened uh, a couple of days ago. Potentially losing his Nike sponsorship, and he may and be potentially a, ending up on a different roster too. Roster, or GM even, made some interesting statements. Yeah, or even like he he he's the kind of guy like I'm not shocked if in a month he retires. Like I'm really not. We said that a year ago. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think he's going to retire. <laughs> I don't believe that anymore. Um, I don't. I don't either. But I also have this weird suspicion of I'm not just gonna. Let, I'm not gonna let that thought go because it can happen. I really do think it can happen very highly. All right, that was good. I'm glad you talked that out because I, I knew you were probably gonna go with Kyrie because I know that you're. I know. Look, I'm trying to still have an open mind about your basketball thoughts, and I know that I'm always gonna learn every time we do this, but. I knew that you were probably going to go Kyrie. I just wanted to know how close and why. So thank you for actually giving me an answer. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, not that close, but it's because I hold Kyrie very highly in mind when he's there. 
I'm going to preface this next one. Uh, I just realized I'm looking at my list and I added Paul George twice. So there is one less guy now. Uh, <laughs> oops. So uh, I'm going to preface this next one because I wanted people to understand that I just, I went through and I put as many good guards this year. And I emphasize this year because this is a right now conversation. I put as many good guards this year as I possibly could on this list, knowing that some of these weren't going to be that close. With that being said, Darius Garland is my next one. And it's not close. And I know what you're thinking, but I, I think he's deserving of at least having this conversation now. Yeah. He's going to end up being um, a good player, even better than he already has been. I'm a big fan of Garland, but it's kind of in the Ja Morant conversation, not on the same level Ja was this year, but of third year player took a big leap. Can you sustain it? Crazy to think third year still again, like he cannot believe he was in Ja Morant. But he was not like on Devin Booker's level this year. Cause like they drafted, I remember people like there were people and I'll just say this. I was wrong about Garland. I did not think that a small guard who couldn't shoot very well coming out of college, playing very minimally at Vanderbilt, all the things for me were pointing in the wrong direction with Garland draft wise. And I'm look, I'm, I'm willing to eat my words. Like, like most good people out there in the media, hopefully can. He was a guy that I just couldn't believe that the Cavs eventually may take over Colin Sexton. And that was because I was high on Colin Sexton. The other point I can't believe is that he was drafted in 2019. Like, again, like he's made strides in that. You mentioned the three-year thing. Like, he's made strides in the three-year. He's not made the job Morant strides. We understand that. Yeah, the yeah. fact that he was like, he's the forgotten one because it was Zion, Ja, RJ, and then Darius Garland. He was fifth, though. He was drafted. He was fifth. fifth. Who was fourth? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't remember. I'm looking it up now because, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Like, it was like the – I don't remember him being guy. fourth no, he's fifth. I just looked it up. Yeah. RJ Barrett. And then fourth was the Lakers. The Lakers drafted. Shame on me. It's oh, it was DeAndre Hunter. That's right. Yeah. Well, the Hunter. Lakers were yeah. picking for the Hawks. Yeah. And then that was, um, that pick was one that the Lakers traded to New Orleans who traded it to Atlanta. Yep. So DeAndre Hunter went fourth there. I think we redraft. I think you still take Garland uh, at four. I think you take Garland at four because he's been that good. So. Now, do but, I mean, that would be Atlanta taking them. Like, does Atlanta want to put Garland next to Trey Young? That's a good question. I, look, and I mentioned the Garland thing because he's at least worth having this conversation around the fact that those his strides comparison-wise to John Morant, like, they're huge. Like, But they're not John Morant big, and we understand that. So Darius Garland's a great player. He deserves great respect. Uh, that's why he's on this list. Jamal Murray. Let me get controversial here. I'm going to take Jamal Murray. I knew one was coming, and I knew this was probably going to be one of the two, at least. I have a feeling it's either this one. What can I say? I'm a big Nuggets fan. Yeah, right. (laughs) People aggregate your jazz stuff, and I think the Nuggets stuff is hilarious. Trying to change the narrative, because there's this meme forming that I'm a Utah Jazz fan. Yeah, and I'm also not, you're not helping your narrative, because you're going on to another West team that has another two good players, so... Uh, Jamal Murray, for me, as much as I love him, as much as the bubble stuff was insane, I, Devin Booker's a better player. I think it is kind of close, but I, it, Jamal Murray obviously being out to that influences some of that for me. Um, so unfortunately for Jamal, who I do really like, I think I like him more than most. Yeah, I, I'm going to take that. really Murray. hoping that Jamal Murray's going to come back and be that franchise guard. My problem is with the Jokic thing, I, I would love – I'm not blowing up the Nuggets three years too early. But what I am saying is I would love to see Jamal Murray on a different team because I'm curious what Jamal Murray does without Nicole Jokic. 
I'm just curious what kind of player, like, because they're kind of making him be a Devin Booker type scorer. When I'm just curious, I know there's a ball handler and passer and playmaker in there, but but you kind of, I'm stuttering on purpose, but you kind of can't be that guy if Nicole Jokic is on your roster. It's kind of hard to be the ball maker, you know, ball dominant playmaking. Like, it's just Jamal Murray. He's on the ball handler all the time. No, I know, and that's there's an issue. You're playing with a point center. There are other players that you can play with. That's the same thing, with, though. If you play with a, if you're the point guard with a LeBron James or a point guard with a James Harden, or just thinking of other player point guard with on Giannis's team, like you're not always bringing the ball up. That's fair, and I look. uh, It's not a knock on Jamal Murray. It's a knock on the fact that I know. I think there's even more inside of Jamal Murray that we might not even realize is there because he's so young, and I would love to see him on another team. I just think it would be unbelievable. All right, let's roll through these last couple so we can talk about things we learned in round one and two and give our predictions before trivia. Uh, let's go with Clay Thompson. Devin Booker, Clay's older, injury-prone. And also, just frankly, I love Clay. He's an unbelievable scorer, but... He can tend to be a one-dimensional player sometimes. I think I know where I know what you're trying to relay, but I want you to realize too. I think the injury has shifted a lot of that thought process. For yeah, me. because he. Was I a- was never under the belief that it was a good idea. There was talk for a period of time of when Clay Thompson comes up for a supermax, should he leave Golden State to go be the guy somewhere else? Never thought that would have been a good idea for him. Yeah. So, and the thing with Clay too, like before the injuries, like twenty early twenty nineteen, late twenty eighteen, in the middle of their crazy run, I you literally they would they could put him on 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 most one through threes, maybe one through fours, depending on the matchups, and he would stop them. Like he was a top ten defender. Yeah, I'm not even talking about the defensive side. It's I've always had doubts about his ability to create off the dribble. Oh no, I agree with you there. Yeah, it's it's in Devin Booker, you have a three level score, and Clay Thompson, you have a guy who's probably the best spot up shooter we've ever seen mm-hmm. um but can't really he can't create off the dribble for himself very well okay you know what though you know what clay's always got going for him he might be the most likable guy in all the sports yeah everybody loves clay thompson <laughs> <laughs> that was my indirect like plug go back and I listen to that for, podcast. for an old episode that was probably one of my favorite like non-basketball segments we've ever done in a regular season because normally in the regular season more likable than Clay Thompson. it was crazy because there was news going on that week and we still felt like that was the most appropriate regular season topic which was wild mm-hmm. it yeah that was a lot of fun albeit it lasted half the time as this segment has and i'm definitely thought this segment would have been five minutes ten minutes so uh chris middleton Devin yeah james harden Oh, sorry. I also have Devin Booker for Clay and Chris. I wanted to make sure I gave my answers on this. I also James Harden. There's a reason I waited till after both the. Uh, I'm not willing to to go uh, off the rails with this one, so I'm going to take James Harden. I am this current James Harden that we have. I, I'm spoiling a little bit of things I learned in round one and two, but I'm taking Devin Booker right this moment. I'm, I'm not willing to go off the rails. All right. Side question, even though I shouldn't ask you this because of sake of time. What is James Harden getting in, in the offseason? Like, what is his contract? Dude, I've got no idea. Okay, what he's let's doing. Move, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk about it. In the he off-season. wants another team now. I mean, I don't blame him because Philly just did to him what they did to Ben Simmons, which is they blamed the loss on him. Because yeah, we'll Joel Embiid walked out in press conference and did that. Like, how many t- Like, can Joel Embiid just stop blaming his teammates for the losses? Or saying, like, what are they doing in Philadelphia? Or Does saying, he wonder why people don't want to play with him? Or, or saying that Jimmy, but- he would rather have Jimmy Butler. Basically, is what he said. Yeah, was- who he had? 
Yeah, oh yeah, I, and the Sixers made that mistake. All right, we're moving on because those guys are being talked about in, a, in just a minute, I promise. Uh, Damian Lillard, last two years. Damian Lillard. I think I will also take Damian Lillard, and he's the only injury exception to the rule on this list because as of lately he's had some injury issues. And I do it's under- just this year. Yeah, and I do no. understand. I'm no, not I mean, as high on him as most are. I'm really not, and you know that. Like I'm not as high on Damian Lillard as most people are, but I also respect that he is – whether people thought he was deserving to be on the 75 list, like he's still that guy of our generation. He's the guy that never made and did anything guy. And he's just going to end up having a bunch of really good stats. And like, I do respect him as a really great player. And I do right now think he is better than Devin Booker, but I think it's very close. Lastly, I threw this one in for fun. Cause I, I would be floored if you said the opposite of this answer, but I just, I, I know how you feel about this guy. And I promise you, I think we've probably spent, Four minutes on this guy in our tire show's history. DeJounte Murray. Don't you dare think too hard about this. Don't you dare do this. <laughs> don't do it for clicks. Please don't do this. Evan Booker. Thank you. But you can say what I'm liking now. DeJounte more, Murray more and more every day. <laughs> every day, every year, every week. Every day that passes, I'm yeah. like, he bounced back from those injuries real well. I don't know what his future is because he's kind of He's the star player on a team that might be about to nosedive into a full-on tank, so I don't know what so, his future holds, but yeah. like the Jante Maria line. That assured me that we do need to do a Spurs offseason segment once we find out Pop's future. We're going to yeah, have this. No, seriously, though. Because if Pop retires, like, it's full tank season for San Antonio, which means the Jante Murray's, uh, Not- I mean – the the market is open. Let's let's hear the offers. Basically. No, we're bookmarking. Who wants this. a new franchise guard? We're bookmarking this because I assure you, no matter what happens to Pop, though, I still think they're a good team that who made the ten seed in the West this year, who has a lot of really good young pieces, a lot of depth at the guard and wing. Yeah, position. but if you want to do that, you keep Derek White. You don't send him to Boston. I just that's fair. That's fair. That's one move. I get it. But he was also expendable because of the depth at the guard and forward position. I want to bookmark this because I think they're a like they're a really big contender for DeAndre Ayton this offseason. It's been it's been out there. It's swirling. We're going to have some fun DeAndre Ayton uh, conversations at some point. We are, and that's great because they're a big contender of like one decent move because of their guard wing depth, and then a DeAndre Ayton and another coach that they feel confident in. Who there are some suspicions of who it might be out there. I'll save that for later. But I. I think they're a lot closer to being a six seed in the West than they are to tanking. I really do, and I want to have that conversation in a couple of weeks when maybe more things happen or come out. But yes, DeJounte Murray needed at least... You reassured me that that segment was possible with the Spurs. Thank you, because I I felt good about that. I want to have the conversation, but I didn't know where your head was at with the Spurs. I'm ready to move on to things we learned in round one and two. This is going to be a really quick transition. Josh, what is the biggest thing? I'm going to go with most important. Obviously, these are in no order on my end. I'm sure you probably have no order either. But what was the first thing or the biggest thing or however you want to address this? Let's take the rails right off the train tracks. <laughs> Did that make any sense? What is the biggest thing you learned in round one or two? The biggest thing that, like, bookmark the end period in statement that I learned in round one and two is Dallas won the Luka trade young trade. We can end the debate now. Period. Pencil it in. The end. Close book. Done. Mason, if you're listening anymore, because I know the Devin Booker trade, I think you probably turned this show off. But Sorry, Mason. if you're still listening, I, I apologize for Josh. Um, he knows I it's true. So. I, I know, and I won't spend any time on this because <laughs> I agree with you. I, I, 
these aren't things that necessarily I wanted to come into and be like, do you agree or disagree with them? But I do agree with you on this because I think we should have always been in the mindset that he won the that they won the trade. I've always been on that side, but, but it's this like is, this is reassuring something you yeah. already thought you knew. I like that. I'll I'll go with two. I two of mine are reassuring points for me. One more so than the other. I'll do my reassuring point that I already thought, kind of like victory lap, because you 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 thought that about the Luka Doncic trade and whenever it happened to. So I, I can assure you that. Jason Kidd's a top three coach in the league, and he's probably the best player dev coach we currently have. That's a head coach. And I've been on this mountain for Whoa. a better part of a year. And uh, this is where I put my flag. And I've, it's already there. I'm just putting my flag further high on the hill. Um, Jason Kidd's a top three coach in the NBA. Who are the, one, who are the other two? Currently, Greg Popovich. And probably, I know I'm going to end up forgetting something. Probably Eric Spelstra. I'm probably forgetting somebody. But like like Nick Nurse would be like the four maybe right there. It would probably start getting weird. But like top three or five coach for Jason Good. I put three there because I really do think he's better some nights than some of those guys. Um, I really do think he's one of the best minds and one of the best players. And he, he people forget okay. by the way. Look at the look at those Nets teams in 02. He was the best player on those teams. It's not close. And he was oh, the yeah. reason. He was the reason. Like he's a guy that I think is going to get forgotten about in the sense that. At any point, he was always in control of the game. There's not many guys in NBA history, to be clear with me, but with you and everyone. In NBA history, there are very few guys who completely at all points of the time, let's say they play 42 minutes, those 42 mm-hmm. minutes, their plus minus not out reflect it, but they have full, complete control from the point guard position. A couple of examples, Austin yeah. Robertson, et cetera, right? But Jason Kidd's up there as well. Yeah, if you think – I don't know if maybe people forget about Kidd as a player. I may be – on a different uh-huh. side, because I've always been on the Jason Kidd is like a top 10 all-time point guard side of things. He absolutely is. I think I had um, him when we did our – I've always been there. Yeah. Because I've always loved Jason Kidd. Um, well, the thing with Kidd, too, I want people I to I always him. loved that Nets team with him, Carter, and Jefferson in the mid-2000s. That was really our first – yeah, that was really mm-hmm. our first real introduction to basketball with some of those teams. I think people – to be clear, like, and you understand what I was trying to say, but like – it's not forgetting about him. It's understanding. I mean, specifically the part about like at all times when he's on the floor, I don't care who the other point guard is. He has control of the game, mm-hmm. the pace, the pace, the style, who's getting the ball, where, and what time, like he is at that time when he's on the floor, he's the one of the best in all time of that Oscar Robertson. Like I said, is another example, Russell Westbrook, love him or hate him is another one of those guys, but just there's, there's guys throughout NBA history, basically the top five, John Stockton is another one. He is up there in that upper echelon of just we need to give him the appreciation as a top three or top five, depending on who you ask, coach in the league. Also, just player dev style. Like, obviously, Luca was already going to be a great player, but like, kind of the Giannis thing where they tried the Giannis at point guard thing, and it was kind of like Giannis, Jason Kidd walked so that Mike Budenholzer could run, in a sense, <laughs> if that makes sense for people. He gave, he, 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 he did. And I, I'm not trying to like, go too far into this, but I want people to understand like Jason Kidd, it was Jason Kidd's idea. You can read Miriam and yeah. talk about it. He and, also did just a lot of weird stuff when he was in Milwaukee. Uh, but that's beside the point. Like now you should have seen the, like, have you seen the videos of him in the locker room with this team? Like that they just won. I mean, I respect him for being crazy enough to put Giannis point guard. Great coach, great style yes. and great mind. And I think he's deserving credit from everything he's learned from that time up until being what would like, look at the team with the, the roster that he has now. Like we would all agree that that roster is not better than any of the other ones in the playoffs. And they are in the conference finals. Jason Kidd. Is he has Luca and role players. And, and, and he's, match. and he's a testament to that regardless of how good Luca has played. My second one, 
I want to I want to give you this one because I'm curious where you are. How many do you have, by the way? I don't think we ever went over that. I have four, but two. Of I mean, one of them was Jason Tatum is the guy, and that one was kind of already covered. Let's just talk about that then. Jason Tatum. Okay. I'll write down how I had it. We agree there. That's another one. Because I, I had three big things I learned. And the second one was Jason Tatum is the guy. Perfect. Um, I feel like we already talked. Like I already said everything that I had to say about it. He can be that right. guy. Um, so then I've been on the Boston train on the east side for a while. I'm not. Anyone that's been listening to this podcast for a while will know that I don't like Boston. And so the unbiased opinion is, I mean, he's actually legitimately great. Look, at the end of the day, I had the same thing, but mine was more specific. I said Tatum is a top five player in the league right this moment. He's the closest thing scoring-wise to Kobe we've seen, regardless of what Devin Booker comparisons people have gotten. When you watch this series specifically, Game 6 I'm talking about where he had 46, and obviously there's videos that have now surfaced after the 46-point performance I've seen where it's like we knew he worked out with Kobe. We knew that he idolized him. We knew he had all these traits that he was able to learn from him. Every time he was in L.A., he would work on the footwork, et cetera. I'm talking about just from a pure scoring, and Devin Booker never wanted the Kobe comparisons. I'm just saying that from when I watched, and we're thinking it's things we learned, right? So I'm speaking for myself here. This is not a hot take uh, segment. This is a things I genuinely wanted to talk about and take away from these two series. Is when I watched as a Kobe fan for 20 years, for when I watched Jason Tatum these first two rounds, he absolutely. I, I I felt like I was watching Kobe score sometimes. Like, it literally felt like I was watching him. Some of the moves, some of the confidence. He took that step that you were talking about that is deserving of all the credit that he's been given. So, yes, that is – we agree there with the Tatum top five, you know, or guy that is the guy there, whether we're making a list or not. But for me, Tatum's a top five player. He's probably four or five right now for me all in the NBA. Yeah, I respect your statement. I guess kind of like I had a weird reaction because I've just kind of grown tired of the, this guy is so close to Kobe. This guy's so close to LeBron. Or this guy's so close to MJ. And it's just glad you caught. I'm glad you caught I never said close to because I will never yeah. say that. It's the, I can it's, watch a guy. I, I hate all of the, this guy's the next just stuff and it's just too no. much. No, I'm never and look, I'm never gonna yeah. say this guy is the next, whatever. And I've we and I've been doing draft stuff for like six and a half years. The point I'm trying to make is I will watch players whether draft or current in the NBA as they're playing, and I will see shades of. I hate the shades of thing, the Kevin O'Connor thing. But I will, like when I watch a guy and I go, wow, he really looks like blank. Like I'm, I wish I had another example. Oh, I'll give you another example. It's not a great example, but it is one. Giannis and how dominant he really is reminds me of that that Miami LeBron. They're two completely different players. But when Miami LeBron was on the floor, he was the most dominant player in the NBA, and it's not close. Or Shaq, or however you want to make the comparison. It's funny, because I was going to like say, like because for the most part, I couldn't think of a Giannis comparison, because he's a freak that we've never seen before. The closest thing I could think of is early 2000s Lakers Shaq that just bullied everyone. There you go. That's, That's the closest one. thing I've ever seen. All right, my last two are tied together. It's, it's two guys on the same team. I told you we would come back to it. Do you want to do mine first, or do you want to give me your last one, and then we can tear my two guys apart? The last one. Uh, the last thing I learned is there's turmoil in Phoenix that I didn't know about. I don't know if it was just me, but did this DeAndre Ayton drama seem to come out of nowhere to you? I pay attention to pressers a lot more than I think most people probably do. And when the contract thing fell out in October, I think people didn't realize like he, his agent basically forced him to bite his tongue because he did not want to jeopardize any potential money that he could make in the off season coming up here. And I'll be, and this is not a bold statement. People can push this out if they want. DeAndre Aiden's not a son next year. I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's over. And it's, it's wild to me that someone that good is hitting the open market. Like he's, 
that new, that young, that yeah, like just someone that high. good, that young is hitting the open market. Like it just was unexpected to me. And now he's, I mean, he's the prize. There are a lot of teams wanting now. Yeah, he literally, you notice how he had a really good year and it was almost kind of overshadowed a little bit. Like it was like, obviously they had a good record and he was a part of it. But like, if you really go look at some of his numbers, like he's he's had an unbelievable year and teams who really look at that stuff are going to understand that and he's going to get paid $26 million a year. I don't think that's a question. So it's just a testament to his agent was like in October, go look at, go, go look at some of those press conferences. It's very eye-opening. Like it's very like, there was many times where he was on record, but he bit his tongue multiple times and i i think people need to realize that john drayton is a lot better than phoenix was using him as because they basically were using him as a screen and roll and rebounder and he's more than that so he's taking strides defensively too i hate damn like that but that's beside the point all right i think you're gonna have a lot of fun with these next two so i'm gonna start with the one i feel i, I can't say i feel strongly about either uh, more strongly than either of these two i think these two are on the same level these two are on the same team. I told you earlier we would talk about them, or I would, we would talk about uh, one of them. I'm going to go with this one first because I have stats to back it up, as well as my eye test and comfort in saying this statement. The second one is just what I see and what I believe right this moment. Joel Embiid can never be the best player on a championship team. Period. You're going to make some people upset with that one. Period. However... Here's some stats. Here, oh, good. Okay. Here's some stats to back it up. I have some playoff numbers from round two, which is where it really gets important. If you're the best player on a championship team, you have to dominate and get your team to round three, a la Luca this year, a la Giannis last year, a la Devin Booker and Chris Paul last year. Recent examples, all of them, right? Guys that you're going to be able to take and use to get to from round two to round three. That is the hump I don't think people understand enough is the round two to round three. Uh, I'm not going to go over all of them, but I'm going to give you most of them. Uh, from 2018 to 2022, so here's some Joel Embiid uh, round two statistics. Uh, round two, game two and three versus Boston. Actually, this is round two, three, and four. I'm sorry. Or game two, three, and four against Boston. He was 36%, 38%, and 40% from the field from the field uh, on 22, 26, and 15 shots. 2019, round two, game one, and round two, game four, and six. Uh, famous series against Toronto where Kawhi hit that crazy buzzer beater to end the series uh, he was 28% 28% and 35% from the field on 7 7 and 14 shots in these games and these are different types of games this is a round 2 game 2 this is a round 2 game 4 and 6 these are really big pivotal games 2019 uh, game 7 against Toronto uh, is going to be I'm sorry that was the Kawhi game 6 uh, for 18 33% uh, and then 2021 game 4 and game 6 against Atlanta uh, he was 20% and 37.5% from the field, getting more aggressive. You can see he's taking more of these shots in clutch, not going in. Uh, 4 for 20 and 9 for 24. And then round 2, game 6 against Miami, he finished with a whopping 29% on 24 shots. That is not, and look, I'm not writing Joel Embiid off as a player. I am writing him off as a performer that needs to get a guy over the hump. And people are going to laugh at me and they're going to be like, Joel Embiid's still got time. Uh, he was drafted in 2013. He's missed basically three years with injury in his career. And he's been the best player on a team that has multiple chances with so many different people. And I think that's the part people are going to aggregate is he's had so many different teammates and so many different opportunities. He's had to adapt to that, but that's what oh, great that's players the problem. Do. He's had so Correct. many different teammates. Yeah. I, look, and people are going to say that that's the reason, but that doesn't change him putting in 
36 percent 38 28 28 35 33 20 etc that doesn't change that performing in those situations all round two by the way i haven't never i've never pulled any other round just round two it's it sucks i think there's another like part of that's right and i think there's another step to it as well um for you to be the guy on a championship team, you are taking the role of leader. Like, this is your team. You've got to take them forward. Correct. We discussed before how Joel Embiid, he didn't maybe not explicitly blame James Harden for the second round loss to Miami, but he talked about James Harden not performing the way he did in Houston. Who did, let's just go over to the other Eastern Conference series. Uh, Trevor, who did Giannis blame for uh, the the Bucks loss to Boston? Uh, no one. But if he had to, to, he would blame himself because that's the kind of thing. Blame no one. Play. Yeah, well, sounds like a would, leader. He would blame himself because that's yeah. what leaders do. And sounds NBA, like an actual themselves. leader. Which Joel Embiid has never looked or sounded like a leader to me in Philly. Yeah, and look, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because I agree with everything you're saying. I just wanted to pull stats so people think I wasn't just talking out of my behind because I want people to understand that. Oh, yeah. I think the same thing you just do with it when it comes to leadership stuff. It's the here's the thing that goes with it because I've made it clear to everyone that I am an eye test person and you, you should be floored that I pulled these. But like at the end of the day, it's what I see and it's what I see behind the scenes. It's it's the stuff that you don't want in and off the court. And it sucks because I do really like him. I think dominance wise, he's he's in that top ten most dominant guys I've ever seen. And it sucks because he's like he's good. Like he's just a dominant force on the on the floor. And he's very good. Yeah, dominant is is not twenty nine percent, thirty seven, twenty percent, et cetera. I've made my point. So, um, we're not rebuilding any bridges on this on this segment. We are continuing to tear them down below being torn down. So, uh, James Harden is completely now past his prime and is no longer the same level of player he once was. The reason I, mean, I say that, fair. the reason I'm saying that though, is when you. I have a couple stats as well to back this up. When you talk about guys past their prime, I mentioned actually last week we talked about this. I mentioned how sometimes in NBA history, for the most part, when people do that, it doesn't typically come back. Obviously, resurgence happen. It's typically that step they miss, right? Where it's like, oh, he's not that same guy. Well, you mentioned the playmaking comments with Joel Embiid in the press conference. Well, James Harden as a playmaker this series, because that's basically what he was, except for Game Four where he went off, or Game Five, whatever, whichever one it was. Uh, he made 32 total field goals this series. Do you want to guess how many turnovers he had? Oh, no. 32 made field goals. Keep that in mind. 32 made field goals. 33 turnovers? He had 29 turnovers. 29 turnovers and 32 made shots in this series. So they said, you know what? Well, he's not playing that great. He's not scoring that great. He's not Rockets Harden. You know what? James, be a playmaker. By the way, never totaled more than 11 assists. How many assists did he have? Never totaled more than 11 in a game. He had 11 total? in that game. No, 11 like in a game. Well, how many game. did he have total? I didn't. I, it would take me too long to pull it up live on a show. So, But it's probably enough to make it at least somewhat of a against my point. But my point being is I, I pulled the field goals made and the understanding like with the turnovers that he isn't doing either of the things he needs to be doing. It's either be a playmaker or be a scorer or be both. He's doing neither. That was my point. Yeah, and it's it's not unsaid that the offseason rule change hurt James Harden a lot. Like, because that's where he scored was the free throw line, and now basically the NBA outlawed all of his moves. It's a tough spot to be in. Uh, 
I don't have sympathy for him in that regard, though, because it was there were three main culprits that like people looked at for like that rule change. It was Harden, Young, and Curry. Young and Curry have adapted. Clearly. James Harden has not adapted. And he look, and you and I, I think argued about this way before our show a couple years ago with is James Harden a point guard? And I think you were always on the train that he was. I don't remember. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never thought he was. Obviously, he had playmaking flashes in Houston. I remember distinctively we had an argument over text about this. But either way, I never thought he was a playmaker. I thought it was funny because I, I wanted to drag up. I was saying he was a point guard just because Houston was playing him at a point guard. Like the whole that's, that's probably true, too. Um, but no, I've never thought he was a playmaker. I've never thought he was this, like, he can be. But right now he's not. The other two things I want to specify with the passes prime losing that step is – uh, his effective field goal percentage dropped below 50% this season as a whole in the regular season, I believe, is what this total was. Um, was below 50% for the first time since his rookie year. It's 48.5%. That's not that alarming because it's not that much below 50. What is alarming, and the, what I'll end with here before we go into uh, our predictions of the finals, our conference finals, is in 2019-2020, the last decent Harden year, right, with part of the Nets, I believe that was, as well as the Rockets, Harden blew by his defenders on 44% of his drives. This year, he only drove by 29% of the time. So losing his step, not showing yeah. that same kind of guy. And I'm not the one aggregating a guy being bad anymore. Like, I hate being that guy on, on a show. It, like, the first take style, basically. But this is me. I fully believe this. This is why we did things we learned. I'm not going to lie to you. This was the reason I wanted to do it. Because I want people to understand that all the stuff people are saying about it, yeah, it may be for clicks. But some people probably truly believe it, and I am one of those people. I think that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we took the – instead of trying to recap. we Last year we spent a lot of time recapping a, uh, you know the series before, <laughs> talking about them, and then making predictions. Well, people only care about our predictions. So here's what we think we learned, obviously, and now, obviously, <laughs> what we predict. Um, obviously, the joke or the meme is we should obviously start with the West because we've done it every other week since. <laughs> so – Josh, that's how you view the board. Um, since we spent a lot of time, obviously you may have some thoughts behind like why. So I'm just going to open it up with you can answer it how you want, but who do you have winning Warriors Mavericks? And then you can tell me why if you want. I have Golden State winning. Um, I have, and in how many? Games? I'm picking against Dallas again, despite the fact I've been wrong the last two times when I picked Utah and Phoenix. Uh, I have Golden State winning in seven games. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Golden State is in for another shootout like they had against Memphis. Uh, but I'm once again going to take the experience. Do you remember that thing I told you about the other day, or a few weeks ago now it was, where I said some guy made a video about how um, the Mavericks in 2011 had a, had a very – how the playoffs results for Dallas was very similar in 2011 to what it is now. I'm just remembering that <laughs> the 2011 finals was Mavs heat and they're both still in this. Well, no. So yes, yeah, you're correct. Yes. What I want to people to understand is that I am, I am in no way comparing these two teams. However, I have Mavericks in seven and I'll be honest with you, I have lost sleep the last two days. <laughs> like, legitimately. Like, today, we're recording this on Tuesday, May 17th. And we normally record Monday. I would have had even less time to process that. And I'm okay with... I, I probably should have wanted less time to, to process this. Because 
people who have listened to the show long enough know that this is probably not the kind of pick I typically make. So I'm going to give you the two things. And I don't have, for the first time probably ever, I have no notes written down. This is completely, I wanted to just put all the things aside that I thought I knew about the Mavericks roster, what I didn't know, who sucked, who didn't. <laughs> they, as much as I want to not believe this, they have help. The Warriors don't play a prototypical big. Neither do the Mavericks. And unfortunately, as much as I've never really believed this, they have the best player in the series. And I think that's what's going to get them over the hump. Is sometimes the best player in the series, whether we like it or not, whether stats back this up, I don't care historically. Luka is the best player in this series, and he's going to be the difference in this series because I think it's that close. I think you're going to be too reliant on someone who a year and a half ago was a G League player, Jordan Poole. Is who I'm talking about. You were too reliant on a guy like that. Clay, we mentioned, is not the same defender. So they're going to be able to take advantage of guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is going to cook Clay Thompson on the opposite side of the ball. You're going to have a Clay game, probably. You're going to have a Jordan Poole game. I really do think we're going to get one, like, wow, step as a top three player in the NBA kind of game. I think it's happening. It's coming. It's a matter of when, whether it's in the next round or whether it's now. We haven't had one of those, like, hardwood classic Steph. Is he going to make 15 threes tonight game? And I think it's coming. I just don't know when that that's going to help. That that did not help my thought process. But all with all that being said, enough blabbering on. The Mavericks, in a very, very, very close series, very similar to how Phoenix's series went, it's going to be seven for me. Any thoughts on that before we uh, change conferences? Because I know you're probably sitting there in angst going, who are you and what have you done with my co-host? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's just like I am probably going to be rooting for Dallas. Um, I like both of these teams in the West, but it's going to be. I can't get lost in going with the team that's effectively the Cinderella in this story, which is the Mavericks. They pulled the big upset. They knocked off the one seed, but I just don't think they're going to have what's there in the tank. I'm I'm also undervaluing this Warriors team because although, although I think Draymond's playing some of the best he's played in a while, he's not the same Draymond anymore. That's just a testament. And to speaking him. of relying on G League players, I mean Dallas is going to need Jalen Brunson to be <laughs> like the guy to. I mean, he's not okay. I know what you mean, but he's not a G League player. He was a second rounder. My point is, Jordan Poole was actually in the G League last year. Like it, it's not. Yeah. So Jalen Brunson probably did take us some time there, but the point is, is he's yeah. a better player. So I, and, and this is obviously going to be a proving ground for Brunson uh, because if the Mavericks want to pay him, they're going to have to pay him the most because somebody's going to pay him the most. But um, this is another proving ground for him, and I think he'll step up to the challenge. Jalen Brunson next season feels like a Sacramento King to me. <laughs> That's tough. Um, yeah, add him to the... At, at the max. At the max. I think he'll be the X Factor if they win this series. So... All right, I don't have a ton of thoughts on the other side, but I am curious what you think. Uh, who do you have winning Celtics versus Heat? Sticking with Boston. Um, that hasn't changed. I think it's funny we're here with two staunch defensive teams. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a pretty series. Uh, Boston in six games. I think that they – I don't think it's going to go down to the wire like Boston did with Milwaukee. I'm glad we started with Mavis Warriors because I had the exact same thing. Uh, I had Boston in six for two reasons. One, uh, Jason Tatum will be the best player in the series. That's not a knock on Jimmy Butler. He just he'll just be the best player in the series because he is. And 
if they're getting Robert Williams back, even if it's game two or three, like that Robert Williams is going to be basically the equalizer to the Bam Adebayo offensive minutes. And I just think it'll be the difference because Hal Horford can then be his normal Al Horford self where he's not having to play on Bam. Because if Al Horford goes this whole series, like let's say Robert Williams is not the difference for this. Obviously, I don't want to say Robert Williams is the difference in a series. He might be in this case. But I think this is a very different series if Robert Williams is not does not play a single game because if you have Al Horford playing on Bam the entire time, then the Heat can take advantage of a lot of different matchups. So I think it's really important to understand that if Robert Williams plays, Al Horford can do Al Horford things, have games like he did against Giannis, and the Celtics can ultimately win in six. I wanted to maybe go five. I just think the Celtics are that good, and the Heat are just now getting to offensive clicking stage, but they still really didn't against the Sixers. The Sixers just had terrible games against Miami's defense. So Miami never really had to be good offensively the more I thought about that series. I I took that away as well. That was something I was going to go over, but glad we were able to touch on it. So, And also just pointing out, yeah, Miami-Boston kicks off tonight. You'll get this after game one. We have no idea what's going to happen. We'll see. I'm going to need to be two screening it while we're doing, I don't know, maybe three screening it while we're doing the draft lotto to see what's going on. But Yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I always try my best to do that. And I I knew I probably was going to forget one of those uh, points. But So trivia is where we're at. Let's do it. All right. So you have a chance for five points today, Uh, a chance to get back in it. But you don't get many guesses with a lot of these uh, is the issue. So it's going to be in three parts. I'm going to ask you each question as we go along because there's like, there are steps to the question. Um, So I'm going to start with the first part, which has two points. It's draft lottery day. So we're going to talk about what I'm hoping happens tonight and that there's a massive jump in the draft lottery for the Charlotte Hornets who are currently at 13. I'm hoping they jump up. I want one of the massive historic draft lottery jumps that makes this night so fun. In the NBA history, uh, there are two teams who are currently tied for the highest jump on draft lottery night in NBA history. Your first question is, who are those two teams? You will get four guesses to name those two teams. So I hate to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Look, and I'm okay with being the laughing stock of trivia for I don't know how many weeks in a row now, um, but I don't think I'm going to need more than two answers. Because I think okay. I do. I think I know them both. Um, I've made this joke many times because I wanted it to be. I'll this is the it. easy starting point because these two teams' names have been bumping around today. I've also mentioned this one of these teams at least once before many times on the show. So um, the Chicago Bulls made a Derrick Rose jump. I'm pretty sure it's the Chicago Bulls because they made a ridiculous jump to get Derrick Rose, and I j- it almost just felt illegal. I'm hoping it's the Bulls, but I'm pretty sure it is. Incorrect. Wow. Okay. The other one that I feel semi-confident about is the New Orleans Pelicans. Also incorrect. Okay. See, I'm okay with being the laughing stock. Understand <laughs> qualifier. Um, if you Where didn't understand this, I'll only take one guess away. This is not highest jump to number one. This is highest jump. Yeah. They. I, so, I know that. Okay. Yeah. You understood that. Yeah. The, these two made humongous. I'm pretty sure the Bulls were like the ninth best odds. They made an eight. Eight jump. I thought that was pretty high. I I'm looking at what their jump was. Yeah, please do, because I feel like it was really high. So, all right. Well, then, if that's the case, then I am kind of in a fun predicament because um, if you said that these, you said these these questions are correlated to each other. Does that matter? The Bulls jumped um, eight spots, but it was not. That is not the most. 
Eight to one. I got that right. I feel pretty good about that. Um, oh, I hope it's not the thunder because we're having Grayson on. I really hope that's not what you're trying to do to me. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of additional guesses to get the two teams that have the highest. Um, fun fact. Fun fact. The Cavs have the most number one picks in NBA history. I don't think people know that, but like they were always bad every time they got the opportunity to do that. That's the part I'm struggling. It's like they would be a good answer, but they were always bad. Who else has really like won a lotto? Like bing, 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 like, you know, jumped up super high. Oh, man. I feel like I'm supposed to know this. That's the crazy thing because it's been talked about a bunch. I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic. That is correct. Yep. Orlando Magic in 1993. And that was the year they selected. Oh, boy. That was the year after Shaq. So I don't know who they would have gotten in that draft. That might have been Penny's year. I don't think about it. Man, did, are we considering this is lottery specifically, right? Lottery, mm-hmm. right? Lottery jump period. Got it. Okay. Uh, the other team is going to be a complete shot in the dark, and I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. That is incorrect. Darn. Um, what I'm going to do there. because I'm going to reveal the answers to you are the Orlando Magic in 1993 and the Charlotte Hornets in 1999. What I'm going to do is because I because for the fact that I always make the argument that that team that was in Charlotte is not my Hornets and they left and went to New Orleans. I'm going to give you half a point for guessing the Pelicans, even though you got the year wrong because you had no idea what it was. It wasn't the correct Pelicans. But since it was that organization, I will give you half a point. All right, guys. For not you got the be- organization correct, just the wrong year team, everything else, like <laughs> instance. All right, for the four of you who are still here, uh, tw- it's 20 to 16 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's do this. I, we move on to the next part. You get one guess. How many spots did the Hornets and Magic jump up? Um, only because I've already given you a hint in that it was more than eight. Well, I knew it was more than eight guess. because I thought the Bulls were the number one jump ever for Derrick Rose, which I don't know mm-hmm. why I thought that. But um, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with I, – I, mm, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go with nine because I feel like anything more than nine would just would be kind of ridiculous almost. And if it's like 10 or 11, I'm just going to be like, well, whatever. That happened only twice. I'm going to go with nine. That's incorrect. The correct answer is 10. Uh, it was that, 10. that was my other guess, but it just seemed too wrong. Uh, yeah, whatever. Who cares? So the final question is to name who the teams took with those picks. Now, the qualifier in 1993, the Orlando Magic would trade the pick that they got after the draft lottery. So uh, you can, there are two correct answers for that one. I will give you credit for either the person that was selected number one because they jumped to number one, or the player of Magic actually selected when they traded back. And then in 1999, the Hornets selected at the spot they jumped up to. So you'll just have to get that one correct. How many guesses? Um, four, right? Because there's only two. Go four again. The problem, I have this weird, like, dead spot in my brain when it comes to the draft. From after Shaq's draft, I forgot all of the number one picks for, like, a couple of years. <laughs> and this is going to be... And make it clear, so, um, the Magic would trade back from one to pick at three. In 99, the Hornets also picked at three. So you can either name pick number one that was traded by the Magic or pick number three that they actually took, or you, and then there's naming the Hornets pick at number three in 1999. Since I have four, I don't really want to do a hint. I want to try to guarantee myself at least a point because I do think a hint would be helpful here. The problem is is I'm more sure about the magic possibly 
than I would be about the Hornets. So I'm going to get a Hornets guess out of the way, and I think it might be Glenn Rice. Is that your guess? For the Hornets, that's, I'm going to go with Glenn Rice. That is incorrect. Dang it. Okay. I, like I said, didn't feel good about it, but he was the Hornet that I thought maybe – I know he was drafted by Charlotte at least, I think. I don't look that up. He played for Charlotte. I don't know if he was drafted. I don't know if he was drafted by them. All right, so the Magic in 93. So they got C-Web a couple of years. Can I ask who they tra- – you said they traded. Did you say who they traded the pick to? No, you can ask for a hint with that if you like. Uh, <laughs> sacrifice um, on your guesses. Because I'm pretty sure they drafted C-Web. The problem is, when was C-Web drafted <laughs> is the struggle I'm on now. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with a hint. Who did they trade the pick to in 92? 1993. I'll double-check it, but I believe they traded the pick to the Golden State Warriors. I, I'm going to have to guess this then, because that would only give me one guess left, right? Or two? Uh, you'll have, you have two guesses. I, I'm going to double-check it's the Warriors, because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want that to be wrong. They traded it to Golden State, yes. C-Web played for, slash was drafted for the, by the Warriors, I'm pretty sure. But it was at one. Obviously, when you trade the pick, you make the pick for the other. T- okay, I'm going to go with C-Web. That is correct. Chris Weber was selected by the Magic and traded to the Gold State Warriors at number one in 1993. You were also close on the other side because Penny Hardaway was selected by the Magic at number three in 1993 as well. So you would have gotten it that way as well. Oh, so I couldn't. Oh, see, I was going to try to. I thought you. I thought maybe. No, it's not. It's not a chance for three points here. I got you. you. It's only because it's a weird spot where they traded the pick. I said I'll accept either selection. That's fair. That's fair. And I, it, I was probably going to be right either way because I'm pretty sure they got Penny. So Mm -hmm. I, I thought I was going to get at least a point out of that. I am very happy that I got that because I was less confident. Seventeen and a half. To be clear, I was less confident with with C-Web's answer, and I went with the one that might have screwed me from getting a point, because I was going to go with Penny and C-Web, and if it was neither of them, I was in trouble. <laughs> so, uh, I have one more guess, and it's the Hornets. And of course, a Hornet slash Pelicans is going to be the thing that is the death of me. So, here's my I dilemma. I saw a rabbit. Sorry. Oh gosh. So, here's my <laughs> dilemma. I, I, I'm trying to visualize in 90, it's 99, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk out loud for a second because I'm pretty sure it might be this guy, but maybe it's not. So there was a guy that I forget was on this team. He was a famous king for when they played with C. Webb and Jason Williams and some of those guys and Mike Bibby. Pedro Stoyakovich was a guy that was on the Hornets slash Pelicans for a long time because he's like top five in a lot of stats for them, weirdly. And I always don't remember that. And I have nothing to lose. And if it's Pedro Stoyakovic, I'm going to be mad at myself. So I'm going to say Pedro Stoyakovic for nothing else than the fact that we have been going on for way longer than our normal runtime. And I also don't want to think too hard and talk myself out of it. I'm going to go with Pedro Stoyakovic. I absolutely love Pedro Stoyakovic. Oh, please be right. Unfortunately, <laughs> he was drafted by the Sacramento Kings in 1996 with the 14th oh, overall pick. I was in the right area. like Yeah, years. roughly. Um, <laughs> Joined the New Orleans Hornets in 2006. Correct answer is in 1999, the Charlotte Hornets selected Baron Davis. Oh, I should have. I'm pretty sure I've gotten a Baron Davis. I'm pretty sure I've gotten a Baron Davis question wrong on this show at some point. I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, you did. This is not the first time we've had a Baron Davis question on trivia. You know what's crazy is I I have Baron Davis all time a lot higher than most people, and I'm really disappointed in myself. I like, you know this. I like Baron Davis. You're forgetting about him. I'm really mad. Okay. 
All right. Well, that was fun. I'll take the what? What are we at? 20 to 17 and a half? Yeah. yeah I'm happy with that, man. I get a five. Yeah, draft, draft lottery. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm excited. It's that was that was a good question. I'm I'm, I'm proud of you because that really gave me a. I only knew it because I saw it on uh, Charlotte Hornets PR Twitter account this morning. Shout out to them. I think people need to understand like the PR accounts are really worth following. Yep. Like it's all the stuff behind the scenes in the league that I think a lot of people don't realize a lot of writers get their info from. <laughs> like very important writers yeah, out there. It was uh, Charlotte Hornets PR had the uh, had the stats there. So shout out to them. So shout out to them the uh, posting the one time the Charlotte Hornets won the lottery 1991. First right. overall pick. I think they picked Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. With that they pick. Did. That is correct. Okay. Yeah, I think that because I was believe that was the only number one overall pick that ever made. Larry Johnson. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Let's get off here quick. So uh, we've got a little bit here. We're going to record the draft lottery with uh, reaction with Grayson. Uh, and then uh, we'll, y'all hear us. You'll hear this, obviously, uh, on late Tuesday, early Wednesday uh, to hear our thoughts on the playoffs. But uh, until I see you in about an hour and a half, uh, thanks. That was a lot of fun. Close us out. This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm feeling a lot better about trivia. Let's get the Hornets in the top four. We'll see you soon. Thank you.